0: Welcome to ECB, Everything College Basketball. Cooking it up with Tyler, Josh, and Peyton. Yeah. It's Everything College Basketball. we marching on to the Madness Cup. Every fool, go press. Every crazy duck, every conference. And how that team's match up. With plenty pulling your poles, taking your bows, letting the Burton brothers know the players you're watching, the teachers you're not winning, who you see in the final four. With them shout outs and weekly pickums, plus those crazy rants from Tyler Josh and Payton. It's ECB, everything college basketball, draining three, man, this podcast has it all. It's ECB, everything college basketball,
1: draining three, man, this podcast has it all. Man, has it all. Yeah, now the moment you've all been waiting for, your hosts. From the corner, three. It's Josh and Peyton Burton with Tyler Cool. Everything college basketball podcast.
2: everybody back to another edition of the Everything College Basketball Podcast, episode six to the five. I'm, of course, Josh Burton. My name is Peyton Burton. And Peyton, it's a lovely Sunday afternoon, October of 2020. We all know this year has been shit around the world for various reasons, but can you believe it's already October?
3: Two months away from November, um, actually one month away one month listen i just woke up my energy levels are all-time low right now so but one month away still it's getting very very close to that start date of november 25th i'm getting very very excited each and every day talking about college basketball talking about what we're gonna do this year we did that yesterday on the phone probably like a 30 minute conversation we had like a business
2: convo about the future and um uh... Some exciting stuff that we've got
3: planned. 100%. Josh is watching AC Milan on my second TV here. Of it's a Milan
2: baby. We're kind of struggling right now against a bottom tier club, but we've been (coughs) on like an 18 match unbeaten streak since Pioli took over. Uh, I'm happy with it.
3: Two episodes in a row. Last week I was watching Madrid, now you're watching Milan. Yep. Madrid's top of the table, one today, two new against Levante. Um, Looking good, but we're not here to talk about soccer, maybe not yet at least. But we're here to talk about college basketball, most importantly, we're here to talk about the SEC. Yeah, today's episode continues our
2: wraparound of the major conferences in college basketball. Um, The last episode we did about 12, 13 days ago, um, centered around the double episode, the ACC and the Big 12. Got good feedback on that. People really love hearing other people speak to, um, Johnny Stroud and Cook, Tyler, Got good feedback on theirs, and they've sent new clips in today. You guys will hear later on the show. But the predictions on the Southeastern Conference. But Peyton, we got um, some interesting feedback on the ACC and the Big 12. Again, I think to kind of put a bow on that one, I think both conferences will be led by top heavy. But both conferences, especially in my opinion, the Big 12, has three legitimate national championship contenders in it.
3: The Big 12, for conference-wise, it's not good that I think they both have, like, championship contenders in both conferences, but the Big 12, I feel like the top three can be interchangeable between Texas Tech, Kansas, and Baylor. Uh, Vic, uh, for ACC, it's not. Virginia's winning. Uh, that's yeah, basically yeah. what I came to the conclusion Well, that's of. what we
2: both were like, yeah, it's Yeah, it's, uh, it's
3: Virginia's, con- if they lose it, then it's their fault. Um, but the Big 12 is a little bit more interchangeable, especially with the top three. But nonetheless, both teams, both conferences, both have heavy hitters that can honestly make it to the Final Four and really compete for a national championship.
2: So before we dive headfirst into the Southeastern Conference, Peyton, let's go ahead and talk a couple other happenings that came out this past week in the college basketball landscape. Have you ever, have you ever seen a schedule We've seen tough ones. We've seen Kansas, Gonzaga, Kentucky, Louisville, Duke, North Carolina, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, play like a, a rough Michigan State's notorious. Remember last year? They played a rough oh, schedule the mention. first month of the year, right? Mm-hmm. Non-conference is brutal. Never in my life have I seen what I'm getting ready to say. we talked about the Big 12. we talked about Baylor being a team that could legitimately win the national title. Probably in the preseason AP poll, will start top five for sure. Mm-hmm, yeah. It came out this past week on Twitter. Jeff Goodman reported Baylor's first five games. Now I want to keep this in mind. First five. One, two, three, four, five. In a row. No breaks. No cupcakes in between. First five. Now, starting date, November 25th. Potentially, um, and I'm not sure if that means potentially in the Mohegan Sun or... Oh, no. Okay, never mind. Potentially, I guess, where... Number 43, I know we only go top 25, but some of these guys rank them like 1 through 50, kind of like we did last year. Yeah. Number 43, Michigan, open the season. Okay, that's a tough one. Baylor should be favored, right? Yeah. Um, The very next day in the Mohegan Sun, not a day off, not a week off, the very next day, if you go by Michigan, number two, Villanova. So you're gonna play Michigan and then probably Villanova back to back. You think that's hard? Three days later they go at Seton Hall, who have is ranked according to Jeff Goodman number 30, just outside top 25. Yeah, I get it. They don't have Miles Powell. Seton Hall could still be a dangerous team. Yeah. Interesting pieces. Three more days later, the Jimmy V Classic. I don't think it's set in stone yet who they're playing, but he all links lead to being. Possibly number eight, Illinois. And if that wasn't worse, three more days later in Indianapolis versus Gonzaga. Arguably, I mean, if Baylor survived, they would be number one. Gonzaga would be number two. But preseason, this could be one versus two on paper. That's all, the first five games, all within a week, ten days' time, they're going to play number 43, Michigan, number two, Villanova, at number 30, Seton Hall, Number eight, Illinois, possibly. And then for sure, set in stone, it came out this past week. Number two, Gonzaga and Indianapolis at Lucas Oil Field. Have you ever in your life seen a schedule like that?
3: No, not like that. Not in the, that span of games. I mean, last year we mentioned Michigan State. They had to play, obviously, uh, the, who do they, uh, Kansas? Wait, no, they played Kentucky in the Champions Classic. Then they had to play Seton Hall about a month later. And they were in It Mali. would have been tougher if they had to play... Teams like Kansas and the Maui or Dayton really how well the season they had, but they didn't. They got beat in the first round to Virginia Tech, I believe. Yep. And Michigan, they had like a tough little schedule when they was in the battle for Atlantis. They won that. Had to go through Gonzaga. Had to go through Carolina. North Carolina. Yep. Um. Maybe Oregon. I don't. Yeah. I think remember. it was.
2: I think it was Oregon. And then
3: right after that, they had to go at Louisville when Louisville was like one of the best teams in the nation, yep. and ultimately got beat. But nothing like this, I mean, Villanova, Gonzaga, uh, Michigan, that's Seton Hall, I mean, they can be sneaky good, they did lose Miles Powell, which is a huge piece, like a mega piece that they lost uh, since he graduated, but still, that's still a tough ass schedule.
2: And we've seen, I want to read it, we've seen schedules that are tough, like you mentioned, but not the first five games and not in, like, ten days. No, not at all. I mean, that is brutal. Baylor is setting themselves up for, you know, it would be something if they came out, like, four and one in that. It To me, it would even be something if they came out three and two on the winning side of things.
3: they so can say 500 and above in those wins, all those games, that would be nice.
2: Yeah. I mean, and then you're talking about being battle-tested. And then that's why I said you add their Big 12 schedule, and we don't even know the rest of the schedule. That's just the first five. Yeah. You add in their Big 12 where they're going to have to play Kansas twice. They're going to have to play Texas Tech twice. They're going to have to play Oklahoma State twice.
3: That's brutal. 99 Don't they have the Big 12 SEC challenge as well? Yeah, Yeah, and I'm not even sure who they're
2: matched up with.
3: I I don't know if that's been revealed yet. Let me – Uh, it might have been, um, if it's any of the top, like, five teams in my predictions for this year, then that just adds even more, uh, pressure that they have, but hopefully that Gonzaga, um, Baylor game that's at Indy, it'd be nice if we can go to that, hopefully they allow some capacity of fans, if they do, then ECB will try our asses off to be at that game, because that will be a fun one to watch and be able to experience, um, but that's really not the only, like, scheduling. How about, Vill- you mentioned Villanova playing Baylor. How about Vin- Villanova and Virginia's trying to play? Or at least Villanova is really yeah. trying to get that game against Virginia in the 2020-21 season, which would be huge because you're talking about two of, like, the best coaches in this last decade and Tony Bennett from Virginia, the defending national champions, and Jay White from Villanova, who's won two of the last three. Two big-time coaches who yeah, I love right. Still two of the
2: last three. I forgot I, yeah,
3: two big-time coaches that I'd love to have at my um, school. So going and head-to-head.
2: Do you want to tell them what, when we were talking about this on the phone yesterday, what I said, uh, how that game might play out?
3: Uh, what did you say, first one to 50? Like first wins?
2: one to 50 might win that one, but it could be the most entertaining, low-scoring game we see.
3: Yeah, yeah. Uh, I think it would be interesting, especially because Villanova, they – Really shoot the ball ball well from three, at least historically they do, especially like the last five years. That's really what Villanova thrives on. And obviously Virginia, that pack line defense is just suffocating.
2: I think looking at that one, um, you know, Virginia's defense, the way Villanova likes to go small at times and put five guys around the perimeter who can dribble drive and shoot the basketball, will it spread Virginia's uh, pack line out? You remember a couple years ago when Duke had – of that town, like R.J. Barrett and all them, and they beat Virginia. That's kind of how the model was laid down. you got to be able to hit threes and then spread them out and then be able to attack the rim. That would be a fun one. I love these. See, this is what we were talking about too. Everybody's talking about these MTEs, the multiple team events that everybody's trying to get into. We've seen with Dukes trying to lead theirs and what the, they should call the Coach K Invitational. But they didn't add nobody. They added Howard, and they added, I don't remember the other two. It was like, I'm going to use Navy and North Carolina at t for example. I know Howard for sure is out there. But they've got it set up where Duke's not going to play every team. They're going to play the other two teams and not play Howard when Howard now has, uh, uh is it McCurr-McCurr,
3: Maker-Maker, or whatever? Yeah, McCurr-McCurr.
2: Um, and they also got No-Jell Eastern. So that's going to be a decent Howard team. But they're avoiding them. There's no headliners. Louisville's trying to get theirs together. We don't know. Kentucky's got theirs, which is already set teams that they had played this year anyways. Detroit, Richmond, and whoever else. I don't remember. I say screw these MTEs if they're going to be like that for one year. Let's get everybody playing each other in single games. Let's The best plays the best. Yeah. I love this. I, I can't. You talk about being excited. Just talking about those matchups, especially early on, excite me to no end.
3: Yeah, and Steven Decker posted in the good doing like kinda like fantasy booking if you would for like wrestling at all. But he asked like, who would you pit in like an eighteen like tournament or eight yeah, eighteen tournament yep. and my teams, which I think we might have the same teams. We do uh, we, talked like the about same com- we talked about this concept. We talked
2: about this a couple uh, of episodes
3: back. Yeah, that's right. I had IU, Purdue, Cincinnati, Ohio State, Kentucky, Louisville, Tennessee and Memphis. Yep. Basically that whole like region right there. Yep. Um, I think that would be a hell of a fun watch. And if you want to add like a couple of majors in there, I'd, I'd, I'd add Bellarmine just because they are fun to watch. Local, Add too. Butler in there if you want to. Um, I think that would be fun. Yeah, yeah, I think if I was
2: to do mine, I would, because you have to keep in mind, like, conference alignments and stuff, but I, I mean, I would be opposed to, you know, Notre Dame, Purdue, Indiana, you go Ohio State, Cincinnati, Louisville, Kentucky, that's what, seven, and then I would throw West Virginia in there or Memphis. One of those. Do an eighth. Dude, I think that would be sweet. But nonetheless, I'm excited for these these non-conference, early season games. Baylor's going to show the world right out of the gate what they're made of. in this that stretch of games. That's exciting. And especially when we get to that Baylor-Gonzaga game, we talked about it on the phone off air yesterday, Peyton. Baylor's size and the rebounding, can Gonzaga match up, but Gonzaga also has size and the way they score the ball at will against Baylor's defense, that could be real interesting.
3: i tell you what, if Baylor somehow ends up winning all those games, then the Big 12 needs to watch out because they will be battle tested before entering conference play, and that could spell trouble for teams like Kansas and Texas Tech and West Virginia and teams like that. They could run through their conference if they run through everyone else in their schedule. But that's not the only schedule I want to talk about. Obviously, Virginia, Villanova, that's fine. Obviously, Baylor and their tough-ass schedule is fine. Let's talk about something more more deep to our hearts. Let's talk about the Louisville, Kentucky. Let's go ahead. Will it be played or will it not be played? Well, the whole thing was Coach Mack... He did an interview. I don't remember who he did an interview with. It was on Twitter somewhere. I don't remember their exact name. It, was it was some podcast out of Cleveland. us. Yeah,
2: some podcast out of Cleveland talking college basketball.
3: Yeah, some podcast that's not us. I'm not even going to mention the name because I don't even remember their name. Um, but he did say something. He got asked the question whether Kentucky Louisville series we played because there's been rumors about we don't know if it's going to get played or not. Um, and he basically said he doesn't know. He, he basically says that he doesn't think it's right to play at Louisville with no fans, um, and then go into next year and play at Kentucky with. If the coronavirus is done by then, well, hopefully it will be. Then Kentucky will have a full capacity in Rupp Arena, which is difficult to play. And that's basically like two games in a row we have to play at rough with like full capacity of fans, which will be tough. And I get what he's saying. I don't think he's I I don't think he's scared to play Kentucky like everyone else is thinking. I think if you really think that, and then no offense, you're not very smart. Um, but he did come out with something that I'm going to play right now because like, I watched this by, like five times, and it's honestly like the funniest thing like, I've watched. Uh, let me restart real quick. It's about two minutes long, so it's not very long, but here we go.
0: Cards fans, your fearless leader, Coach Mac. I keep getting asked, coach, are we playing the game? Are you scared? Are you a chicken? You won't play Kentucky? As for the UK series, here's the thing. I want to do what's most convenient for John and his program. You do believe that, right? That I want to do what's best for John? Never mind the fact that we had a December 12th mutually agreed upon date to play the game. And never mind the fact that they backed out of the 12th because they were returning from London on December 6th after playing Michigan. Thought it was too close to the 12th. Never mind the fact that that December 6th game got canceled. No trip to London. Can we play that game on the 12th? Never mind the fact that they scheduled Notre Dame in lieu of playing us on a mutually agreed-upon date of December 12th. Never mind the fact that they called ESPN and tried to change one of our ACC games without our knowledge or permission. Never mind the fact that Coach Stoops and his football program at the University of Kentucky honored that request in football to move Louisville's home game from 2020 to 2021. You can do it in football. Seems like you could do it in basketball. Never mind the fact that the University of Cincinnati asked us to do the exact same thing that we're asking Kentucky to do. And we honored that request. Listen, I don't want to stand in the way of college basketball's best rivalry. Whatever is most convenient for Coach Cal... We'll do it. See in the um center. Go karts.
2: Okay, let yeah, me interject ahead, here. Ahead, First of, of all, that was a good promo. It's if you've seen hilarious. the visuals and stuff, that's a good promo. There's a couple things I want to digest or dissect here. One, he talks about football. Yeah, Coach Stoops was nice enough to, to change that because the freaking pandemic changed everything. The game got canceled totally. It's not like the game was still going to be played in Coach Stoops is like, hey, yeah, um, we'll do you a solid here. No, the game got canceled. So he's like, well, I'll do the right thing then. We'll push it back. They weren't playing this year. So that's one thing. Two, he talks about some – I don't know whether it is. I, all we know is we can take his word for it because we don't know whether it's true or false about the ESPN accusation. stuff. it wouldn't surprise me either way. Talks about Cincinnati and they honor it and all this. Mac, he's still getting a home game. It's not like you're going to play two years back-to-back at Rupp Arena. You're going to play at home. You're, You're going to play at home. Do you think that it makes any difference that if you play at home this year without fans or limited fans, everybody else has got to do it? So there's two options. You can either play in Louisville with limited fans or maybe even no fans and still play the game, or you can back out. I think it put, I know he tried to put the heat on Cal, and it was a good promo, but I think either way, he was going to come out the heel on this if he backed out of the rivalry game. Because Cal had already said, what Cal did as a babyface himself, which he's really good at doing this and turning the script, is when uh, Mac made those comments and got back to him, Cal's like, well, we'll play them, but if they don't want to play this, we'll just schedule another game. So then it put the heat back on Mac. That's why he came out with this, to try to put the heat back on Cal. But if that game got canceled, ultimately it came down to Mac for kind of making a stink about it. I just want the game played. I thought it was a good promo. I thought it injected some life in his rivalry. Because if you guys remember last year and the year before, I would talk about how nice Mac is and all this other stuff, that he needs to go kick a baby or something. Well, here we go. We're firing it up now. I think it's a good thing for the rivalry. And we're going to play it on December 29th. Was it 29th or 27th? 29th, I think.
3: Uh, it's I think. Someone says it's a 20th. I think he said 26. Okay, 26th, 27th, whatever. Which might not happen because ACC does not like having conference games like by like two days after Christmas or like a day after Christmas. So that might actually get changed.
2: Well, whatever it is, late December. I, I mean, I'm glad we'll play. It injects rivalry. Now we got a little talking point. I think it'd be fun. And if you remember Mac, he had a crazy rivalry with Mick Cronin during the Xavier Cincinnati days. Mm-hmm. Um, they had crazy rivalries there. So he's not uncommon to this thing. I thought a good promo. I think it injects life in the rivalry. But I think he needs to pull back just a little bit. Because ultimately, in my opinion, had that game not been played in Cal in another direction, I think he would have came out the heel in this just for kind of pitching a stink about it.
3: Uh, a couple things on what you said. I, like you said, I don't have... Any information about the whole ESPN thing? I don't have any information of what he said about the December twelfth day, about them backing out after they didn't want to come back. It's too soon since they had to go to London to play Michigan, but that game got canceled. And they scheduled a game that's another day, blah blah blah. I don't know if any of that's true. Uh, you can only take his word for it. Um, I don't know if he'd lie about stuff like that, and but even if he did, I don't necessarily care. Like you said, I just want the game to be played, and I have a simple solution for this. I get what he's saying. Uh, about the fact that he doesn't want to play at Louisville when there's no fans and then go next year to Kentucky when there's probably going to be full capacity of fans. Um, I get all of that. I get what he's saying about Cincinnati honoring that. Um, the Honoring that um, that they don't want to play a home game with no fans. I get all of that. Let's just play a neutral side game then. Let's go play an Indy or something. Let's yeah. go to some high school gym or something. Like, I don't care. Let's just play, like, a neutral site game so it's all fair for everyone so no one's bitching about it. Because, like he said, and I don't care what anybody says, That's the best rivalry in college basketball. Oh, yeah. It's, just, it's the most heated, the most passionate, and I don't care what everybody says about North Carolina and Duke being probably, like, the most competitive rivalry. Louisville, Kentucky, there's been really, especially the last decade, where it's been blowouts. Probably, like, a couple years. Like, a team that... Kentucky had when they almost went undefeated like that was probably I think that was a blowout and then a couple of years when they had um, Kevin Knox that was a blowout. That's probably like the only two times like the last decade. It's ultra competitive Definitely had the most passionate fans and it's 100% the most hatred rivalry in college basketball There's just no debate about that and in my opinion, it's the best rivalry all around in college basketball but I just want the game to be played Um But let's just say if it didn't get played and we go, they cancel the game next year or this year and not play at all, it would be nice to meet in the tournament.
2: Oh yeah, you imagine that? Yeah, that we meet in
3: the tournament somehow. Like that would be huge.
2: Yeah, that'd be wild. Um, One last piece of business, kind of tidying things up before we get into the SEC, because we're kind of running long on the intro here, uh, the opening segment. I mean, pay. We gotta give a, a shout out to our boy. Um, basically like family does. Bryce Burton, our very own ECB, on the sponsorship this year, and he brings home a track title at the Historic Brownstown Speedway in the Hornet class, only his what, second year driving a Hornet. Yeah, He brings home a track championship. Proud of him, uh, happy for him. He, I think he topped it off last night by actually winning the feature last night to secure the... He didn't win. I oh, did he not he win? Did, he I thought
3: he won win. the piece. I seen his post. He said he didn't win, but he ended up winning the track. Okay, championship. okay. So what? Well, regardless. Yeah.
2: yeah. is a track championship. Only a second year racing. We, every one of us here, are super proud of him. So we, we wanted to kind of throw that in there.
3: Mm-hmm. No doubt. I was going to mention it before you did, but you ended up taking the words right out of my mouth. I've known Bryce for like a very long time. Me and him's been in the same grade, same age group. We've been friends for like a very very long time obviously our dad's have known each other for like a long ass time as well um, so we've hung out played basketball together been on the same teams traveled to like different tournaments me and when Josh was coaching eighth grade me and Bryce was like the only two like fifth graders at the time to move up and play with them in like the HBA league and stuff like that so we really bonded together especially racing it's it's a it's like in the Burton blood really yeah it's racing basketball and stuff like that so Right, congrats to you boys for listening to this part of you and hopefully it'll be me next year
2: yeah so with that we're going to take a break in the action when we come back peyton it's all things southeastern conference a conference that continues to grow in stature with players coaches and high profile matchups each and every year over the last five seasons will it continue the trend or will it kind of take a step backwards we're going to find out after this commercial break Ooh, you're listening to Everything College Basketball, episode 65. Catch you on the flip side.
4: The good old SEC. Where do we start? We will start at the damn bottom. Nothing to be surprised about here is Vanderbilt. They lost Aaron Naismith, but also Sabine Lee. You know, they lost a lot from a team that really wasn't good last year. So, don't see them to make any waves in any type of way. You know, the biggest fall-off this year in the SEC, I believe, will be Georgia. You know, you lose a guy like Anthony Edwards, you know, a guy that could have went anywhere in the country and he decided the fall to you guys last year was a blessing. But I don't see anything like that coming in for Georgia. Georgia's going to stay at the bottom of this, too. This conference isn't very deep this year, I don't think. Uh, Mississippi State's going to be down there, too. Texas A&M, Missouri. Missouri always sucks. Auburn. Auburn's going to take a big dive this year, too. They may, be, they may not even crack the top ten of the conference. Now they lost their top six players, five seniors, projected lottery. It's, it's, a, it's a big turnaround for Auburn, but I don't see anything coming out of them this year. Don't expect them to stay there, though. Mississippi. Mississippi ain't going to do nothing. South Carolina, they're going to be middle of the pack. You know, Might get a surprise upset here or there. Alabama. Nothing. Arkansas looks to be a better year. Looks to be a better year for the, the raise of backs. You know, the biggest thing I want to see, and it's nothing to do with any type of talent or anything like that, it'd just be nice to see another O'Neal in an LSU jersey. Sharif O'Neal is transferred from UCLA to play where his father played. You know, don't expect Shaq numbers to be put up. It'd just be interesting to see Sharif O'Neal in an LSU jersey. Now for the top three. I think the top three could be interchangeable all throughout the year. I don't have a lock for a win in this conference. But in no particular order, you know, you have Florida, Kentucky, and Tennessee all have a very good deep amount of talent. You know, Kentucky doing their normal stuff with with new freshman year in, year out. But they're starting to get transfers. And that, that's what's making it more interesting with, with Kentucky and John Calipari is getting more transfers in that have a little bit more experience in the game. Florida, Florida's keeping Scotty Lewis and Keontae Johnson for another year. And they went 11-7 last year in the conference. Really cool, really cool to see Florida come back. You know, they they won those two back-to-back with Joakim Noah and Al Horford and all them cats, but kind of haven't got back to that type of talent. Be nice, be nice to see if they can make a nice little run this year. Tennessee, I always got a lot of respect for Tennessee, but don't expect them to, to fall anywhere lower than three this year. But that's, that's a quick little snap of the SEC, in my opinion, fellas. Now you're going to get back to Josh and Peyton. Peace.
5: Hey there, guys. It's Johnny. Um, my predictions for the SEC this year, I fully expect Kentucky to pretty much run away with the division. Um, I know they're going to be young. They're going to have a lot of new faces, but the talent is just so missed and so deep. I don't really see anybody truly contending with them. Um, but you're going to have, you know, Florida and Tennessee in there. You're going to have uh, LSU. So there's going to be some some depth at the top of this division. Um, probably the top five or six teams are going to be really good. And uh, could make some definite noise in the tournament this year um probably the biggest jump this year I think will be from either Arkansas or Alabama uh expect them to uh probably outperform what they did last year well Arkansas was already pretty decent but so yeah I think that the uh The division's going to be tough, but I fully expect Kentucky to really run away with it. And uh, unfortunately, the Cats are in contention for the title again this year. So anyway, that's my thoughts on the SEC. Thank you,
1: guys. Have a good day. Everything College Basketball listeners, what's going on? It's Conrad Cushman from Everything Pro Wrestling. Everything Pro Wrestling is a show by the fans For the fans. And I'm here to let you know how you guys can catch up on all the latest and greatest in the world of pro wrestling. You guys can go to youtube.com, type in everything pro wrestling, give us a subscribe. We are over a thousand subscribers now, and we have achieved a YouTube partnership. If you guys want to be in the live chats, come on in, join us, and talk pro wrestling. We record AEW Dynamite every Wednesday. We also talk about WWE, Ring of Honor, Impact Wrestling, New Japan Pro Wrestling and your local indies, and much, much more. So make sure you guys are subscribed to Everything Pro Wrestling. You can also listen to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify. All the live streams are transferred right onto there. But enough of me talking about pro wrestling. Let's get you back to listening to Everything College Basketball. China.
2: Welcome back to the episode 65 of the Everything College Basketball Podcast, the SEC previews. Peyton, as you just heard during the intermission, from Johnny Stroud and Tyler Cook making their SEC predictions. Um, I I think this conference. I talked about it right before the the other side of the break. I think this conference will could continue because of the high profile coaches they brought in the last five years. Because of the high profile recruiting. I think this conference is going to continue to make another stride. I think the top couple teams are going to be really good, but the middle of the conference is going to be where it gets kind of Big Ten-esque at. Maybe not as deep as the Big Ten, but I think when you're talking teams six, seven, eight, nine, maybe even 10, they could all be right there tournament caliber teams.
3: I think so too. Uh, besides, like the top like five schools, um, who are obviously definitely going to make the tournament, like very well be really good this year. Uh, conference play and in regular season, and probably make a deep tournament run as well. I agree. Teams like Mississippi State and or not Mississippi State. Sorry, uh, teams like Arkansas and Alabama could be sneaky good this year. Um, Texas A&M with Buzz Williams could be sneaky good, we, we don't know. You can never count him out. Yeah, you can never count Buzz Williams out. He's a phenomenal coach. He's his second year at Texas A&M. Obviously, coached Virginia Tech a couple years ago. Went to a Sweet 16. Played against Duke. Almost could have won that game. Uh, so a very talented coach. You never know when it comes to, like teams like that with a good level coach like Buzz Williams is. So, it will be interesting to see. Obviously, top average is going to be very, very good. Um... Teams like, I'll uh, be mentioning the teams that could be sneaky good, and like the bottom half is bleh, not gonna be good at all.
2: Yeah, so let's go ahead, like we've done with the other conferences, kind of take a look backward before we go forward. Peyton, notes from last year Kentucky wins the league, going 15 and 3. They won the league by a whole three games over Auburn. the Cats 15 and 3? That included losses. When they lost in January at South Carolina in a game that they were up almost 20 on and lost that, if you had told me then that Kentucky was going to win the league and win the league by three games over a team like Auburn last year, I'd have probably told you you're crazy. But that's what the cats—they caught fire at the right time, and I think that they were absolutely surging at the right time to make a deep tournament run.
3: Is that the game that Coach Kyle got a technical or something like that? I know it was one of the. Same I think I think games. that was. I, I just remember, remember
2: we got beat on a buzzer beater, and of course everybody who beats Kentucky rushes the floor.
3: Well, yeah, because it's a Super Bowl win. Kentucky's one of the most historic programs of all time. Obviously, second. Like, are they, like, top three in all-time wins? All We're number first, one. Yeah, number one and like, one. second in championships behind only UCLA at yep. 11. So, a very historic program. Uh, everybody rushes the floor against them, except, like, top-level teams who've done it before.
2: Yeah. but Looking at you,
3: Indiana. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, but, I think... If you would have told me last year that, could, especially after that loss to South Carolina, and then ultimately they lost the Hoot of Tennessee as well, mm-hmm. um, especially with the stuff that happened to Hagen's when he didn't like want to play or whatever, uh, he had like his I don't he know what his, his issue was. Yeah, he was
2: just going through some stuff there late in the year.
3: Um, I didn't think Kentucky would actually pull it out. I thought maybe Auburn would have won it, but the ended up somehow getting hot and putting it all together. Chris, uh, not Chris Max, to coach. Uh, Coach Kyle does what he does best. He gets teams charred together and gets them working together. And by then ultimately ended up winning yep. the SEC. Um, one by three games and very impressive. So, we talked about member during our Big Ten um, look
2: back and predictions. I mentioned that they led all major conferences with teams finishing 500 or above, and that was nine. The SEC was right behind them. They had eight teams, 500 or better. Mm -hmm. Kentucky, Auburn, LSU, Mississippi State, Florida, South Carolina, Texas A&M, and Tennessee, all 500 or better records in conference. That is impressive. That is impressive in a lot of fashions, Um, especially when the narrative is, oh, the SEC, blah, 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 blah. This conference is getting better. It's not it's not SCC football no.
3: level same, no, hell no. but I'm telling you you cannot sleep on the SEC basketball conference anymore. When you think of SEC, they're definitely mainly a football conference. Uh, but that's not to say they can't be a good basketball conference as well. Uh, they definitely have good teams, obviously Kentucky in there obviously, but they definitely have very good coaches in the SEC, obviously coach Cal, Buzz Williams. Um, Rick Barnes, guys like that, Bruce Pearl, um, Will Wade from LSU, you got top level coaches that's some of the best coaches in college basketball and they got very good teams in there as well. It doesn't surprise me they were second only behind Big Ten which was the best conference last year. So it doesn't really surprise me. I think SEC is on the rise. I think it's going to be a slow rise though. But eventually they'll be on the level with like ACC and the Big Ten and stuff like that and competing for like the best conference. I think if you
2: rank the SEC what they're good over good at in the last decade or so obviously football is number one and then I think you'd probably go women's softball, men's baseball and then bass well women's basketball and then men's basketball probably even be fifth but I think it's the narrative starting to turn around a little bit um, four teams with 20 wins or more Kentucky and Auburn both 25 and six on the year. LSU twenty one and ten, Mississippi State Ben Howland and company twenty and eleven. That's still again, that's another impressive stat. Especially when you look at Auburn and Kentucky twenty five and six overall. Those were teams that were ready to make a run in the tournament.
3: Yeah, one hundred percent. They definitely were. They could have made a run of the tournament, especially a team like Auburn who finished twenty five and six. They definitely could have very well maybe want go back to back final four if that tournament happened, which obviously it didn't. But With the talent they had, they definitely could have definitely got to at least a lead eight, Um, and obviously Kentucky championship contenders every year.
2: Yeah, so looking back to last year on the SEC uh, awards, if I could spit it out, Kentucky's John Calipari earned SEC Coach of the Year honors. Kentucky's Emmanuel Quickly was selected SEC Player of the Year, which we'll talk about here in a second. Skylar Mays earned SEC Scholar Athlete of the Year, which we don't vote on, you know, we don't predict because it's yeah. hard. Georgia's Anthony Edwards was SEC Freshman of the Year. Mississippi State's Tyson Carter was SEC Sixth Man of the Year. And Tennessee's Eves Ponds was Defensive Player of the Year. Before we get into the first team all SEC, which is really weird how the SEC does it, Peyton, looking back at the Superlatives, how at least I had it last season. I had my player of the year, Anthony Edwards. Wrong about that. And remember, Emmanuel quickly made the run the last like six, seven weeks because I thought it was going to be Nick Richards before that. I did too. And then Emmanuel quickly became like the best player, not only in the conference, but maybe in the in the nation at one point.
3: Yep. You couldn't make it wrong, especially guard position. He definitely could Do you, been do the you best remember player. who
2: you had your predictions for SEC Player of the Year?
3: Player of the Year, I'm pretty sure I had K Blackshear.
2: Okay, I think you're right about that. Defensive Player of the Year. I think we all had Ashton Hagen.
3: This one surprised me.
2: Yeah, I think we all had Ashton. And it's not that he'd had a bad defensive year at all. Uh, you remember he locked down Texas Tech in the Big 12 SEC clash. But Eves Ponds, what he did, 6-6 forward and almost averaged like two blocks a game. Yeah. That's ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Um, freshman year, we did get that right. At least yes, I did. I, I think Edwards. we
3: all got that right. Anthony
2: Edwards was by far... And I know the SEC doesn't do these. We do these. Um, Most improved I had last year was Kyrie Lewis Jr. I think that was definitely a fair. You look at the numbers. Remember, he almost had a quadruple double one time last year. Yeah. Um, Big time, big time. And the most underrated last year for me was Isaiah Joe from Arkansas. Guy that could shoot about 45% from three.
3: I don't remember. I think my most underrated was Reggie Perry from Mississippi City. I think you're right. Yeah. I think my most improved was actually quickly. Yeah. I have to go back and watch. I'm pretty sure my most improved was quickly, which would be the call of the century yeah, if absolutely. I got that one though right.
2: Absolutely.
3: Holy hell.
2: Uh, so here's what I was saying about the SEC they don't do it like your traditional five men on a you know, team. I
3: checked this out yesterday. I was confused the SEC,
2: so. all first team SEC had one, two, three. Four, five,
3: six, seven, eight, nine players on the first team. What's the point in having like a second team if you only have nine players? On well, they the first had team. like another nine or ten on the second team, That's... and they had like nine on the fret
2: Like, I just don't understand that. I... Just do five. Yeah, five's plenty. Just do five. So they had like nine. We all voted five. So let's see how good we did. Um, at least mine. I had Anthony Edwards, Andrew Nimhard, Carrie Blackshear, Tyrese Maxey, Kyra Lewis Jr. Kyrie Lewis Jr., Mason Jones from Arkansas, uh, Samir Dowdy from Auburn, Keontae Johnson from Florida, Emmanuel Quickley, Kentucky, Nick Richards, Kentucky, Skylar Mays, LSU, Brian Tyree, Ole Miss, and Reggie Perry, Mississippi State, was your nine-player all-first-team SEC last year.
3: <sighs> that just... I Yeah, I looked at your notes yesterday and looked at the... First team, and I was confused. I didn't know clue they had nine players on the first team. I thought it was just only five, because why would they be more than five? Yeah, it's super weird. But that's last year.
2: Looking ahead to this year, Peyton. Let's start with Superlors like we always do. Oh, Milan scored. I don't mean to interrupt there. Liao, that's my boy right there. 56 minutes. Technically, the way soccer is, it'll go 57th minute. Milan finally break through. Liao scores. We're up 1-0 on La Spezia. Sports of Milan on that. Sorry for interruption. Um, <laughs> that was kind of random. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, I, that's, that's my boys right there. At least somebody's winning them and the Packers. Um, but, anyways, this year's prediction superlative does Peyton. I'll let you tee off first. You get the first swing at it. At the year's end, the SEC player of the year in the conference
3: will be. I'm sticking with the state of Florida. I'm going Scotty Lewis from Florida. He's returning this year, he was a freshman last year, former five-star wing. Uh, he had a pretty decent year. Uh He averaged about, what is that, eight and a half points per game, 3.6 rebounds per game. I think those numbers are gonna increase drastically, especially since K. Blackshear is obviously not there anymore. I think he's gonna be a more focal point of the offense. And I think he's gonna have a mega year this year. I think there's a, a load of candidates that could be SEC player of the year, but I'm sticking with the state of Florida like I did last year with K. Blackshear. I'm going with Scotty Lewis. Yeah, and he was a surprise guy to come back. Five-star
2: kid coming back for a sophomore year. Yeah. Very surprising. Peyton, I'm going with one of the teams that you admire. I definitely know, like in football. But
1: Uh, I think
2: coming back, you talked about another surprise. I think with the pandemic is one of these guys we talked about that normally probably would have left for the draft, but he decided to come back and is going to be a part of a really solid LSU team. Peyton, my SEC player of the year, I'm going Javante Smart. 6'4", junior guard. He had a plus 2.1 assist to turnover ratio to top the SEC. Averaged 12.2 points a game, 4.2 assists per game. Losing Skyler Mays, his backcourt running mate, to me only opens up the offense more for Javante Smart this season. Plus you add in a bunch of talent he'll have, he's going to have another backcourt running mate as a freshman this year in Cam Thomas. I look for Javante Smart. He averaged what did I say, 12.2 points per game and 4.2 assists, also while having a 2-to-1 assist turnover ratio. So that means he drops dimes and takes care of the basketball. I look for that to stay the same this year, Peyton. I can see him easily averaging 17, 18 points a game, 5, 6 assists a game to a low turnover, maybe even bump that to a 3-to-1 assist turnover ratio. I look for Javante because LSU is going to be good this year. I look for Javante to be your SEC player of the year.
3: Um, yeah, I think Devontae is definitely a great pick. Uh, I think he's one of the candidates I probably have. It's kind of surprising. I didn't think he would obviously come back to LSU. I thought maybe he'd go somewhere else or something. But that's a very good pick. I remember the game like two years ago in Tennessee where he dropped like 30 points. He was a shout-out of mine. And I watched the whole game when Tennessee was very good. When We had guys like Grant Williams, um, Admiral Schofield, um, had guys like that, uh, Jordan Bone. Um, and he ended up in 30 and got the dub. I think it was, maybe it was at Tennessee, maybe it was at LSU, I don't remember that game, but he can definitely put up numbers when he wants to, and I feel like he could have a big year this year, and I think he will have a big year this year. So, SC, our SEC Freshman
2: of the Year, Peyton, a lot of interesting choices. Of course, Kentucky always leads the pack in top-tier freshmen in the conference and in the nation. If you want to go to the Cats, you've got three of them to really choose from, and that's who I'm going with. I'm going with the best pro prospect of the Cats this year, in my opinion. A guy who is capable. You know John Calpari, since he's been there, he's only had one 20-plus scorer game. Do you know who that is? Real quick trivia. What is it? Since Cal took over to the Cats, he's only had one guy average 20 or
3: more in a year. 20 or more? Is this Lisa? Well. Love- Kinda of have because like oh he, kind of... he
2: was the best player in the bubble this year. Uh Booker? No Jamal uh, like, Murray. Jamal Murray. B J Boston could be that second person. I mean because you know Kentucky's always about being selfless, you know giving up yours for the greater of the good and all that other stuff. But B J Boston, even doing so, a guy who a lefty who works all the time can shoot the ball, attack the rim, needs to put more strength and size on. Him. But I think he's a guy that can easily average close to twenty if he wants to um, stretch you out from deep. So my freshman of the year in the conference is going to be B.J. Boston. And he's going to continue for freshman of the year overall.
3: Here's the thing. I originally put down B.J. Boston, but there's so much good freshmen coming in and the Southern Eastern Conference that I'm just going to go ahead and name off like a bunch of candidates. Uh, B.J. Boston's one of them. Tannin Clark's another. Devin Askew's another. That's three Kentucky players right there. You go to Tennessee. Uh, hold on, let me put them up real quick. They got Jaden Springer. Springer, yeah. You go to LSU. They got Cameron Thompson. Or Thomas, not Thompson, sorry. Um, Plutthatha, a very, very talented freshmen coming in. But you want with B.J. Boston? I'm going with this old running mate from AU. I'm going with Shreve Cooper from Auburn. I think Shreve Cooper is probably one of the best guards coming in this year. I think he's going to average probably around... 18 points a game with maybe like eight to not eight to ten assists per game. He's going to run that offense for Bruce Pearl he's going to put up big time numbers for Bruce Pearl's Auburn Tigers team. And he's going to be the reason. Also, I forgot JT Thor is another one. Yeah. He's going to be the reason. Him as long as JT Thor, well, I think Auburn will have a big time year this year and shock some people. So I'm going with Shreve Cooper. You can't really go wrong with either Cooper, Boston, or any other Kentucky guys or any other guys I just mentioned, but Shreve Cooper's my freshman of the year.
2: Yeah, so Defensive Player of the Year, we both have the same person. Peyton, it's kind of silly to go against the reigning Defensive Player of the Year. We both got Eves Ponds from Tennessee. The guy at 6'6", like I just mentioned a few minutes ago, averaged almost two blocks a game, close to 10 rebounds a game, I think. And he can go being six six. He can defend you on the wing, and he can slide down. And he's got strong enough. He's physically strong enough and fit enough that he can go down and muscle you up on the block. And he gets these weak side blocks because how athletic he is. Pete, when he jumps to his full height, his elbows are above the rim. Yeah, I even the head above the rim. That's not impressive enough. He's an athletic freak, good def- great defensive player, should I say? Moves his feet well and weak side blocks. There's no reason not to pick him again to go back-to-back.
3: No, you can't. You cannot pick against a rainy defending uh, defensive player of the year. So, Geese Ponds is my pick as well. Peyton, your most improved
2: player in the conference this year. Somebody you're kind of looking out for. You called it right with Emmanuel quickly last year.
3: Let me see if I can go back-to-back because I'm going with the state of Florida. I'm going with Trey Main. Uh, Trey Main was a former four-star. He didn't have the best year last year playing behind uh, Andrew Nimhard. He only averaged about 5.3 points per game with like two rebounds per game. He's 6'4". He's a sophomore this year, weighs about 170 pounds. I think he's going to be the focal point on the offense as long, along with uh, Scotty Lewis. Uh, it's a nice little one-two punch between those two guys right there, um, both sophomores. I think he's going to run the offense. He has tremendous vision for being his size. Um, and I think he can defend it a little bit. And he's like incredibly athletic. Uh, he reminds me a lot like John Wall when he was at Kentucky, that athleticism. And guys like John Moran as well. I think he's due for a big time of year, this year. I think he'll average about, probably in double figures in scoring. Uh, probably like 13 points per game. And probably close to about like 6 assists, assists per game, like 5 rebounds per game. Yeah. I think he's due for like a pretty good time of year.
2: Yeah, I think that's a fair, fair assumption. I'm going with somebody who's really off the radar if you think about it. Um, we just heard not too long ago, Cook's not very high on Auburn. I'm a little higher on him than he is for reasons that you've mentioned, like a guy like Sharif Cooper and J.T. and et cetera, et cetera. A guy, my most improved, I think, is going to be Alan Flanagan from Auburn. As a freshman last year, he played in all 31 games Auburn participated in, averaged about 14 minutes, 13.8 to be exact, averaged 3.2 points per game. That's not terrible for a freshman. He mm-hmm. played in every game, played you know almost – a third to half of the game, contributed here and there. I think he's due for a a nice little breakout year. He's going to play with Sharif Cooper. He's going to play with some talent down there. He'll have the ball in his hands. I think as long as he can consistently find a niche for him, be a guy maybe who's just a corner three-point shooter or an extra ball handler, I think he could put up – I don't think he'll ever double figures, but I could see maybe like seven and a half a game being a nice contributor for a good Auburn side, and I think that would be enough to mount him close to most improved. Um, that, that's experience coming back, too. It's not often that you see a, you know, a guy play as a freshman every single game and contribute somewhat. So, Alan Flanagan's is my most improved from Auburn. My most underrated player, I'm going with the Cats. Peyton, I'm going Keon Brooks Jr. I think he's due for a big year this year, too. I could easily put him most improved. I think he's due... He really helped Kentucky win their last game of the year, that come-from-behind win against Florida. Big at 6'8", can defend. I think he needs to be more consistent. But I think people sleep, especially with the talent that comes into Kentucky. You know, we're talking about B.J. Boston, Terrence Clark, maybe even Oliver Sarr if he gets eligible. People kind of still forget about Keon Brooks Jr. is going to be the sophomore, kind of that veteran, been-there-done, that leadership deal. I don't think you should sleep on Keon Brooks Jr. for very long. I think, to me, he's going to be the most underrated player in the conference.
3: I'm going to switch my pick. Uh, because now I more to think about it. I originally had John Petty from Alabama. He averaged about 14.5 points per game, 6.6 rebounds per game. He'd be my most disappointing. He's a former five-star that should have been gone to the league by now. But I'm actually going to switch mine because he's a former freshman. He's coming back for Tennessee. I'm going with... He was a former five-star, I believe, Josiah Jordan-James. Yep. Uh, if you really think about him, he was a starter last year. He only averaged about 7.5 points per game and averaged about 5.5 rebounds per game. It says on the uh, book here I'm reading, he assisted on 24% of the Vols' field goals and hit 43% of threes in SEC play. That's very impressive. Do you know who he reminds me of, not to cut you off? Yeah. To me,
2: he's almost hand-in-hand
3: with Samuel Williamson from
2: Louisville. Five star kids, both forwards that could do a lot, that were really talented. They just struggled to find their footing, but when they turned it on, they were five star for a reason.
3: Mm-hmm. And with all like a big time freshman coming in with Jaden Spring and Keon Johnson, you really don't think much about to Jordan James. I totally kind of forgot about him. I'm not going to lie. I did kind of forget his name until I started really thinking about it and doing research on Tennessee. And he is going to be a big-time opponent for them, and reason that I probably have him, like, top three in the SEC and probably competing for maybe, like, in the Final Four appearance this year. So, big-time player. He's going to do big-time things, and he's definitely my most underrated player. So there you have it for the Superlatives. Now let's get into the action. 14 teams in the SEC conference,
2: an 18-game conference slate, which means, unlike the Big 12, and alike, honestly, like a lot of the other power conferences, Uh, I think really only the Big 12 and the Big East play round-robin style. Everybody else, but SEC is going to be an unbalanced. You'll play twice the teams that used to be in the East-West, and then one other time against everybody else in the other division. So let's go ahead and get into it, Peyton. Wait, did we do our first team? Oh gosh, no, we did not. We did not. My first team, All-SEC... Javante Smart from LSU, Eves Pons from Tennessee, Keontae Johnson from Florida, Jaden Springer from Tennessee, and BJ Boston from Kentucky.
3: Mine actually brought mine down this time. I had to wing it like the past two episodes. Uh, Mine's BJ Boston from Kentucky, John Fulkerson from Tennessee, Scotty Lewis from Florida, Eves Pons from Tennessee, and Javante Smart from LSU.
2: I hope you save your notes this year too so we can have a frame of reference for next year. Well,
3: I can tell you this. This is like the first this and like the ACC notes and... What was the conf- Big 12 notes. I saved those three. Okay, so it's a frame of reference for next year. Yeah, I kind of, I didn't think, I forgot. Um. Okay,
2: so let's start now at the bottom. Finishing 14th in the conference. To me, Peyton, I like Scottie Pippen Jr., but like you heard Tyler say, and I think maybe even Johnny alluded to it in their predictions, they lost an NBA pro and a guy like Aaron Neesmith. They've lost talent. I, I, I can like Scottie Pippen Jr. all I want. Vanderbilt, when they're clicking, they shoot the three ball really well. I don't see them having that type of team this year. Um, so for me, plain and simple, finish the dead last in the conference this season, is going to be Vanderbilt going 3-15. and 15. I'm sorry for our people down in Nashville who are Commodores. But you and your stupid floor in um, that tough place to play at, i, I just it's going to be another long season down in Nashville. I'm, hey, and finally debuting, Jens Petter Hogg from um, the Norwegian side that played us really tough, making his debut 70 minutes on for Milan. But go ahead. Vanderbilt, dead last.
3: My dead last, this isn't football. They'd be number one probably, especially in the SEC uh, East. Um, I got the Georgia Bulldogs. The reason I have Georgia, I'm going to spoil it. I have Vanderbilt 13th. I have them like neck and neck with each other, finishing dead last in the comments. The reason I'm picking Georgia, you mentioned Vanderbilt losing a big-time NBA player. They didn't lose, in my opinion, the number one draft pick in Anthony no. Edwards. So, that alone, they only bring back two starters and Severe Wheeler and Tumani Kamara. They got talent Christian Brown and Ja'Carol Walton. But... I'm going to go ahead and say it like this. I'm not a big Tom Queen fan. Uh, I think he's a fantastic recruiter. When it comes to X's and O's, I don't think he's that good at all. Um, But we'll see. Was this his third, second year at Georgia? Two years at Georgia? Yeah, so this will be his third. This is his third year at Georgia. Uh, He's 27 and 37, the overall record at Georgia. I don't see that getting any better. I had him finishing dead last in the conference. And I had Vanderbilt finishing 13th for every reason you said.
2: Yeah, uh, 13th for me. This will be an interesting one because you, you don't want to doubt Ben Howland. But I just think the way the conference is shaped up and the way Mississippi State loses pieces like Reggie Perry, Tyson Carter, and Nick Witherspoon, three big-time pieces from that team that two years ago in the tournament, that you know they were upset by Liberty, but they were a five-seed for a reason in that tournament. I just don't see, you know, you lose three guys like that. That's what, 17.4, 13.9, and 11.6. And you also lose Robert Woodford the second who 11.4. Pay, that's four guys in double figures that's losing for Mississippi State this year from a 20-win team. Um, I know DJ Stewart's coming back. I just don't see Mississippi State having a good year this year. I think this is going to be a plug-and-replace type of year a building block year for the following season. But in 2020-2021, Peyton, I've got Mississippi State finishing 13th in the conference, going 4-12. and 12. You can't lose, when you're Mississippi State, you can't lose four guys who scored double figures for you and probably at least 70% of your offense and bounce back from it. Like you're, I mean, you're not Kentucky. You're no, not Duke. You no. can't do it and replace it. Mississippi State's going kind to of have a bad year, I think.
3: Yes, I agree. They will have a bad year. That's why I have them ranked twelfth. Uh, I have Mississippi State Bulldogs as twelfth, finishing twelfth in the SEC conference. Like you said, they only bring back two stars, DJ Stewart and Abdul um, who's a six eleven center who's a senior this year. So they got at least some experience. But then we got one. Actually, then we got one senior coming back, two sophomores, uh, two seniors coming back. Excuse me, and the rest are freshmen. So. Besides those two seniors, really not that experienced at all. They're gonna have they're gonna struggle this year, um, losing guys like Reggie Perry, who's a big time double double machine last year for them. It's gonna be tough. Not gonna have a good year. I miss who finishing twelfth in the SEC. Yeah,
2: I think it's fair. Twelfth for me, Peyton, Texas A and Buzz Williams, not because. They won't be decent, and it's not because Buzz isn't a good coach. But this is only what his second or third year there too. Second, it takes him time to get the ball rolling, like yes. we've seen with Marquette, like we've seen with Virginia Tech. And once he gets it rolling, then they're the consistently towards the top half of the conferences. It's just, it's going to. I think the conference is what I'm trying to say is going to be good this year, and there's no room for being just mediocre. Can a team like Texas A&M surprise somebody and even knock you off at home? Absolutely but I think that it's going to be another kind of building block year. I'm not even going to say struggle year. I think it's a building block year. But Peyton, they lose Josh Nebo, who averaged 12.5, and they lose Wendell Mitchell, who averaged 10. They do bring back Savion Flag, who absolutely can stroke the ball. He killed Kentucky last year. Uh, Savion Flag is going to be interesting. He could be an all-SEC caliber you know, first-team type of guy. They do bring in a top 100 recruit in Jackson Robinson. So they won't be terrible. You know, Buzz is bringing talent into College Station. But I think with the conference this year, it's bad. It's just bad timing. I haven't finished in 12th, but I think they could be real interesting at times.
3: Uh, let me Milan have...
2: scored again. Tao, let's go. Open it up. 75 minutes,
3: 2-0. Finishing 11th, I'm staying in the state of Mississippi. I'm going to the old Miss Rebels. Um, I think... They bring back to what uh, they bring back three starters from last year's team that had. Where they, finish? they finished? They finished twelfth in the SEC, six and 12, 15 and seventeen overall. Really not the best year. Um, KJ Bufkin coming back is one of the starters who was a junior, who averaged 10, 10 points per game, along with like six, six rebounds per game. Devontae Schulz coming back, who's probably one of the best returning guards, who's very quick and has excellent vision, uh, roughly twelve points per game, four and a half rebounds per game. They bring in a guy like Austin Crowley, who can actually stroke the ball from three. Uh, he's going to be a sophomore. Um, they they bring in a walk-on, John McBride. McBride. I don't know why I just said McBride. Uh But that's not the one I want to talk about. They bring in a top 50 prospect out of IMG Academy, uh, who has bright future, Matthew Merle. Uh, if anyone knows anything about, like, uh, high school ball. IMG is one of like their premier programs Prep in the high schools, school. Yep. Especially when they play in like the Geico Nationals. Um, they bring in like a big time talent like all year round. Like every year they have like big time like top 25, top 50 recruits that play in the games uh, that play on that team. So, But they lose Brynn and Tyree. Uh, it was probably like one of the best scorers last year. They lose him, average roughly about 20 points a game and they lose Blake Henson. I don't think they have like a terrible year but it's definitely not going to be a good year. Uh, that's why I have them finishing eleventh.
2: Yeah, I'm going to add on to that here in a minute when I get up to Ole Miss. I think a little higher of them than you do. Um, but eleventh for me, Georgia for all the reasons that you mentioned, Anthony Edwards. I just think that they're better, um, better than what you had them dead last. I think they're a little better than that. I have them going six and twelve, but I do have them finishing towards the bottom half of the conference again. Again, Georgia can't lose Anthony Edwards and not really replace him. I know Crean's bringing in four-star kids the occasional five-star. But I think it's just going to be an, until until Georgia learns how to play with a lead and to um, protect it and also learn how to win away from home. Because remember last year, they started the year off. Oh, Liao scored again. Does it going to count? Yeah. Milan's up three now. Let's go. But remember, they started off like 13-5. And then Kentucky came, and they were up at halftime. And remember, Anthony Edwards and them started popping their jersey and stuff, and Kentucky blew them out, and then they went downhill from there. That's the problem with Georgia under Tom Crean. They can play you really good for a half, but can they do it for two? Or they can beat you at home, but can they go on the road? So because of that, I have them finish 11th, going 6-12 and 12 in the conference.
3: Look what, the reason I don't, I'm not very high on Georgia, because obviously they lose... In my opinion, like the number one draft pick coming into next year's NBA draft or this year's upcoming NBA draft. Um, He's a big-time scorer, obviously. We all know that he's a big-time player. He's going to do very well in the NBA. But he had, like, no help last year at all. The games against Michigan State, when he nearly dropped, like, 50 points. I think he had like 45 points. I watched that game. He nearly, they was down by like 20 points. He nearly brought that yeah, team he went back. Fired. He nearly brought that team back, hitting some of the craziest shots I've seen in my life, NBA and college included. He went on fire and almost dragged that sorry Georgia team to beat like a top, at the time, a top ranked Michigan State team, yeah. led by Tom Izzo, led by who I thought was going to be a player of the year, Cassius Winston. Uh, he had like no help whatsoever last year. And to not have anybody with his type of talent to replace him, it's just going to be a struggle here. That's why I have Georgia dead last and not very high on him. Um, what number are we on? Number, number 10. 10. Uh, I actually have Texas A&M. The reason I have A&M higher than Ole Miss, and I know Kermit Davis is a great coach for Ole Miss, I'm a big fan of Buzz Williams and mm. what he did at Virginia Tech. Obviously, I know firsthand how... Top tier of a coach, he is obviously Wolver being in that same conference and having multiple battles against Virginia Tech. Uh, I do agree, I think he'll take time for he gets his team like where he wants it to be when they're competing, probably like top six in the SEC. But I don't think it's gonna be a bad year for them at all. I think they'll probably finish close to 500, maybe above 500. I think they could be a sneaky team, like I mentioned earlier, that could sneak into the tournament somehow. I think that big time wins. Uh, the roster, I mean, Quentin Jackson. 8.8. 8 not per Rampage game. either. <laughs> Quentin Rampage, that's Jackson. I, yeah, that's a good point. Uh, they bring back probably one of the best defenders in the SEC, not defenders, one of the best rebounds in the SEC, Emmanuel Miller, who's top 10 in SEC in offense and defensive re- rebounding percentage, um, who's a sophomore. Um, I think they could do pretty well. I mean, I'm still skeptical on them, but give Buzz Williams time, and I guarantee in like a couple years now, he'll have that team rolling.
2: Here's the one thing about Texas A&M before I'm telling you my number 10 team. Last year, you look at this rankings. They finished dead last in the conference three-point percentage. Shot 29.4% percent. 334th in the nation. That's towards the bottom of the nation in three-point percentage. With a guy like Savion Flagg who shoots the three so well. They did address the issue. They're trying to. You bring in three-star LaDamian Bradford who can stroke it from three. Mm-hmm. If A&M can hit the three ball, like I mentioned earlier, talking about upset teams, if they shoot the ball, if they go from 29.4 to, let's say, they go up to, like, 34%, 35%, right? Make a five, six-point jump. Now you're talking a could be real lethal because they're going to defend for Buds Williams, and they're going to play you hard on the backboard. So that could be real interesting. But my number 10, let's see if Milan scores again. No, they nope. don't. My number 10... You talk about underrated coaches. You talk about a coach that will motivate you as I'm moving trash around here. I hate playing this team on the road because no matter how bad we're good and how bad they might suck or vice versa, they find a way to upset us. Who is it? Well, and I hate this damn song. I hate it. And they play it from tip to tip. From the beginning of the game to the end, especially when they win, and when they play this tape. That building goes 8 shifts.
3: They go nuts. It's like it's some kind of power that they get from it.
2: I'm talking about South Carolina. They finish, we talk about teams that finish 500 better, they finish 500 But I mean, Frank Martin's a tremendous coach. What he did at Kansas State, what he does, or he's done at South Carolina, he's a tremendous coach. I think they take a step back this year. I don't think they'll go 500. I have them finishing tenth, going seven and eleven, but they do have some talent. They do lose uh, one double figure scorer and um, uh, Mike Coatsar, a six six eleven center. They bring back some talent. Paid AJ Lawson. Uh, he hit seventy eight two pointers, 57 threes. Talking about balance, eighty nine free throws. He averaged thirteen point four. That's crazy balance. Um, Justin six 6'6 junior, you know, oh, I thought it said 111 points per game. It's 111 Holy offensive shit. rating. You know, you have 7.8 and 6 rebounds. So they have some talent. And again, if you play for Frank Martin Payton, it is just like playing for, um, Bobby Knight. You're going to defend. He's going to scream and holler at you, but he's, you're going to get the best. And you can't forget, they've got North Carolina transfer, 7th Woods, yeah. as a senior. Talk about an experience of the guard right there. I think that could be interesting, having a guy like Seventh Woods who played at North Carolina. And it's not like he didn't play big minutes. He was a he was a big contributor for North Carolina at times. So South Carolina, I haven't finished in 10th, but if you told me at the end of the year they finished as high as 5th, I wouldn't bat an eye about it.
3: My... Ninth school and I'm playing it again. I don't care because I love this damn song. I'm not gonna lie, like it just gets me pumped up like every time I hear it. And also I have a special place for like South Carolina in my heart because back when okay, I'm gonna stop playing now because I don't wanna double it up again. Yeah. But back when uh college football was NCAA football fourteen, uh, I was South Carolina at one point in the online dynasty, the best dynasty in the world. Um, and, like, I had, like, very good views there. Probably could have won the national championship if I had been there to face a cheater named Falcon. But that's no here, no there. But, I agree, South Carolina could be sneaky good. They could finish top five, would not doubt me whatsoever. Getting 7th Wood's a big-time piece for them, though, for what he did at North Carolina. I think he'll be able to keep the same energy at South Carolina this time. Um... And I think I haven't finished a ninth. I think they could make a big time run to get top five in the SEC. We're not shocking whatsoever. But South Carolina, the game cacks. Number nine. Yes. If this is women's basketball, they probably be top three. Oh,
2: for sure. Absolutely. Actually probably
3: they probably win the damn thing. I'm not gonna lie. Ab- Offensive Kentucky. Absolutely. Hey, my number nine team
2: is a team that I have them I even have it. Um, denotes they're a bubble team. This is where, for me, starting at the ninth, we have teams that start to either make the tournament or right there on the bubble. I have Missouri at number nine. Conzo Martin's slowly building this program back from the ashes at what it was. Uh, you remember a decade ago, Missouri was a top two seed in the NCAA tournament. Um, they bring back. They only lose one pe- one person. Peyton Reed, Nico, six ten center, who only averaged four point nine a game. They bring back quite a bit. Um, a team that struggled scoring the ball. They only averaged 67.1 a game, which put them at 12th in the conference. But they bring back all this experience. You talk about Javon Pickett, 6'5 junior, Peyton. He was inconsistent last year, but he scored in double figures in eight games, um, averaged 6.6 a game. They bring back Drew Smith, top 10 in the SEC in steal percentage last year. He could be considered um, right there with Eves Ponds for Defensive Player of the Year. He, offer, he also averaged 12.7 points a game. Mark Smith, 6'5", senior. He rebounds well as a guard. Yeah. How about a 7-foot senior, Axel Okongo? <clears throat> you know, he only played a mop-up duty last year, but 7-foot, you could be around the backboard. There's a lot of potential in this Missouri team. Like I said, I have them finish in 9th, going 8-10 and 10 in the conference, Ooh. but... Being right there as a bubble team to slide in the turn, but in the year's end. Missouri could be really interesting. They could be dangerous, I think, if they put it together. Obviously got to score the ball better and at a higher clip. They're another team, too, that actually shot 29.7% <clears throat> from three. So, But they're one of the better free throw shooting teams in the conference. 78%. So you can't foul and put them on the line. Uh, defense. They were second in the conference in defense. Only gave up 65.2 points a game. So, that's all hallmarks of Kondo Martin. By the way, where did he go to um, college at and who did he play for? He went to Purdue and played for Gene Katie Peyton defense lives there in Purdue. No surprise. I think Missouri. Because the, if the conference was like it was 10 years ago when it wasn't as strong, this is a Missouri team that could finish top three. Yeah. But because the conference is so deep and balanced, I have them finish in ninth.
3: A couple of people, because I have Missouri finishing eighth. And as you see, almost on par with what you said, basically what you said, just a little bit higher. Uh, Kobe is another player who was a starter last year, who was securing the defensive glass and provided rim protection. He's six seven. He's a former four star. Uh, he's a sophomore this year. I think he could have a big time year, especially on the defensive side of the ball. And I think he can score as well. Um, but you mentioned that defense. If you didn't mention that, I was right there again. Mention that. The reason I have Missouri ahead of like South Carolina and the reason I have Texas A&M ahead of Ole Miss is because defense wins, I mean, you hear the saying, offense wins games, defense wins championships. Yeah. It showed why in the Final Four two years ago, three of like a top 14, I think the average defensive efficiency of all Final Four teams, Michigan State, Auburn, Texas, um, Tech. Texas Tech, and Virginia, it was average of 15th. Tell me defense don't. Matter.
2: Yeah, we and, were the top two at the time, too.
3: Yeah, in Texas A&M, they was third in defensive uh, scoring defense in the SEC. And you already mentioned that Missouri set was second in scoring defense. So defense carries. Even if you can't really score the ball, defense really helps you a lot. And sometimes defense will create a good offense for you as well. So I have Missouri finishing eighth, and I think just like you, I think they could sneak in the tournament. I think they actually will sneak in the tournament. Yeah, I
2: have them as a bubble team. My eighth team, Peyton Ole Miss, going nine and nine. I have them denoted as another bubble team, just on the outside. I think they could slide in for all the reasons you mentioned earlier. They do bring in a Pac twelve, um, uh, a former Pac twelve uh, All Defensive player. I, I like Kermit uh, Davis. You know, I like him when he was at Middle Tennessee State. I like him at Ole Miss. Blues and and Tyree does hurt, but I think, again, like you're talking about, defensively, I think that they could be right there. I have not finished an eighth, going 99, a bubble team. I like it. Top seven now gets real interesting. I think these top seven teams, Peyton, are, I think they're really good. No matter what, I think these top seven teams are really good.
3: My number seventh team is, whoa, I'm not going to finish that. It's Alabama. Um, I think Alabama could be very, very good this year. I think they're dudes for a big time year. The reason I have them a little bit lower is seventh, because like a top five and the top six teams, I feel like you can really interchange them, especially like the fifth through seventh team. I feel like you can interchangeable uh, interchange those teams. But for Alabama, John Petty, I mentioned him earlier, who's going to be my most underrated player before I switched it to Sire, Jordan James. Average 14.5 points per game, 6.6 rebounds per game. He's going to have a big time year. But I don't know if a lot of people know this. Former five-star, former McDonald's All-American, coming from Villanova, Javon he gets to play this year. Remember he that had out is last year. huge for them because he can flat-out score. He will run that offense, and he will pit Nate Oates, Alabama Crimson Tide, on the top. And obviously bring in the top 100 crew and Keon Ambrose-Hilton, who can defend on multiple positions, and he can hit Puma shots as well. They bring in the nation's top ranked junior college combo guard Keon Ellis, who flat out helped right away. Um, overall, they really got a good team. Losing Kyra Lewis Jr., who was first team All SEC last year, is going to be big time loss. And then Beetle Bolden, yes, but... and James Bolden as well. But overall, they were third in scoring last year, first in the SEC. Um, defense they got get a little bit better three-point percentage, which does not surprise me at all, I don't think that's going to change. I feel like they could be sneaky good if they really put it all together and really flat out score and learn to defend. So I'll go ahead and talk about Alabama. We have our 6-7 flip-flop because I have Alabama
2: 6, you have them 7, so I'll talk about Alabama 6 for me. You talked about Javon Quinterly. We thought he was going to get eligible last year, did not. Remember, I wrote the article preseason about Alabama, how good they could be. Uh, you mentioned um, John Petty. Needs to have a big year. Five-star kids, Really kind of disappointed in my opinion. But the talent's there. I think their most valuable piece because of being in the front court and a big, strong, physical player is Herbert Jones. 6'7", senior inside. He's their best defender. Provides leadership and toughness inside. 7.9 points a game, 6.4 rebounds. But again, just that big body that can beat and bang on the glass. You forgot to mention Jaden Shackelford, 6'3", sophomore. Um, he, he's registered 17 points or more in 10 SEC games last year. Averaged 15 points a game. Can't sell him short. Another big time score. You talk about the recruits coming in, Peyton, and the fact that I like Nate Oates as a coach. And we saw what he did at um, uh, Buffalo. Year one in Alabama had a winning record, even if it was just slightly had a winning record. Peyton, I think Alabama could be really good this year. I'm with you in this corner. I have them six, you have them seventh. Let's go ahead and talk about our flip flop. My seventh team, your sixth team. And by the way, my top seven teams here are all in the tournament, according to me. Yeah. Same. Um, seventh for me, six for you, Peyton. We go to Fayetteville, Arkansas, and the Arkansas Razorbacks.
3: <laughs> <laughs> razorbacks. Yeah. Pig Suey. Razorbacks.
2: That's only for Cook. He'll understand that. Yeah, I don't understand that. Eric at all. Musselman's doing it. F- he's like Nate Oates. First year coach last year, fantastic job. Went 12 or 20 and 12 year one. Um, Peyton, Arkansas could be, and that place is one of the hardest places in America, let alone the conference to play at when you have to go to Bud Walton Arena. Mm -hmm. When it's full capacity, that place gets loud, raucous.
3: So, Arkansas, they lose a lot, uh, especially like the best three players. They lose Isaiah Joe, who scored about 17 points per game. They lose Mason Jones, 22 points per game, the leading scorer. All-FCC player. And Jimmy Wet Jr., who averaged about 14 points per game, along with Adriel Bailey, who averaged about 6.3 points per game. They lose a lot of production. Uh, I don't think they bring back a single starter. No, they bring back one starter. Desi Seals, who averaged 10.6 points per game, along with three rebounds per game. But talking about the pieces they got coming in, though, they got Oak Hill product, who obviously, if you know OKL, that's what I call my Anthony play. That's why called Anthony play last year or two years, two years, two years ago. Um, he is a big time prospect, Kaleen, KK Robinson. Uh, but the main guy that you want to talk about is Moses Moody, who's a four star coming in. He has very he has good length. He, he can shoot and he can defend, and he's going to be a big time force. He's another player that. Maybe could sneak up there and get freshman year if guys that I mentioned earlier doesn't get it. But, I kind of forgot about this. Former Indiana guy, Justin Smith, yep. started all 32 games at Indiana and led the Hoosiers Hues- in minutes played. averaged 10.4 points per game and 5.2 rebounds per game at Indiana, Justin Smith is going to be a very big time piece. Everybody
2: knows he's a defender, rebound, and hustle guy gonna be just exactly what Arkansas type needs.
3: I think Arkansas had like one of like a top 10, maybe top 15 uh, recruiting class coming in this year. I know there's like top five in the SEC. Uh, Devontae Davis coming in. They got some good pieces. I could interchange between Arkansas and Alabama if I wanted to, but I'm not going to because I actually like this Arkansas racing back team. They finished 20 and 12 last year, 7 and 11 in the SEC. Didn't do too well in the SEC. But they could do very, very well if they put it all together. I have Arkansas 6. and you have them what seventh? So you, we had them in the yeah, just Foot five. Moving up to the top five, this is
2: the top five now. Are like they're special? I think. Paid fifth for me is Auburn. Yes, they bring Sharif Cooper. Yes, they bring JT Thor in, and they bring other pieces. But the reason I don't have them as high as you do later on in this list is because they did lose. Samir Dowdy, they lost uh, Anthony Macklemore, they lost uh, Austin Wiley Javon McCormick they lose a lot of pieces from that Final Four team from two years ago but they also bring back a lot of talent who had some experience we talked about a guy like Alan Flanagan only averaged three a game but played all 31 as a freshman you bring in two studly five star guys Bruce Pearl systems built to score points at a high rate of you know they're going to put up numbers. I like Auburn finishing 5th in the conference, going 11-7, and seven, a solid tournament team, and just wreaking havoc. They will beat some of those top two or three teams as well at home or away. I, I, I do like this Auburn team. only reason I don't have them higher is because they lose four guys that could average double figures or just right below it from a final four team. That's the reason I have them 5th and not higher.
3: My fifth team is the Tigers, but it's the better Tigers, at least in football it is. Uh, the LSU Tigers, I think this top five teams could easily definitely make a sweet 16 or better. Yeah, oh yeah. I think like three of like the top five teams can probably make it to in the Elite Eight or Final Four. That's how talented and how top-heavy this SEC Conference is. But talking about the SEC Conference, we have what, your player of the year, Javante Smart, coming back. Yep. There's a junior, who I mentioned he can score at... Will, Trenton Walford coming back is a big time opponent for them. What was he your most improved as well? Who Trenton Walford?
2: No, 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 no. My most, most improved without playing again.
3: Oh, I read. oh I thought, okay, I've got yeah, that one again. Yeah. Day um, is Day is coming back. We got like three starters who was big, who's big time. Lose Skylar Mays who's one of like the leading scores. I think he was actually the leading score last year. Lose Emmett Williams who's a big time force, especially on the rebounding side. They were second in scoring offense last year in the SEC and first in shooting percentage in the SEC. But they bring in like a big-time five-star freshman, top 25 recruit who, just like I mentioned with, um, who was it? Who I forgot his name already. Moses Moody, I think yeah. it was. Yeah, yeah. Uh, who Oak Hill product. Um, Cameron Thompson's, or Cameron, I keep wanting want to say Thompson. Cameron Thomas coming in. He's going to score well as well. 6'3 freshman. I do like this LSU squad. I just like the top four teams better, if that makes any sense at all.
2: Yeah, I am Yeah, I feel you. Who is your fourth team on the list? We have the same fourth. We have the same fourth. Number four, according to both those, we go down to Gainesville and Florida, Peyton. Florida loaded with talent again. They do lose Ant, or Carrie Blackshire. They do lose Andrew Nimhard to transfer to Gonzaga, who I have to sit out a year. But Peyton, Quez Glover is coming back as a sophomore. You mentioned Trey Mann's coming back. Um, Omar Payne inside in the middle. He might have been the best freshman they had last year. Mm-hmm. Not Scotty Lewis, not Trey Mann, but Omar Payne. He averaged what? Three point eight points. Oh, maybe maybe I'm thinking somebody else. He had big games. Sorry, I'm not even thinking about Omar Payne. I was thinking of somebody else. Never mind. But anyways, Omar Payne's back in the middle. I thought he had a big game against Kentucky in the first half. Is what I was thinking about. Noah Locke's coming back. Keontae Johnson's back. We mentioned Scotty Lewis, Jason Jatobo, this basically six or a seven foot sophomore inside. Didn't really play a whole lot because he had to play behind and he was struggling a little bit. But I think he's got a lot of potential. A former four star kid, Niels Lane, a three star kid. That's a lot of talent on that Florida team. Peyton, their biggest deal last year, and we talked about all year. They struggled scoring the basketball. They were nice in the conference. They averaged almost seventy two a game. But when it mattered, they struggled scoring. Mm-hmm. Um, was it 32.8% Florida's free throw rate in conference games was the worst in the SEC? Yeah, and they couldn't hit free throws. Yeah. So, I, I just, you know, they were second three-point percentage. I, I just see if Florida can fix their offensive woes, and remember we talked about, now it's coming back to me, that was on Mike White. He held these guys in the half court when that team needed to be up and running. That was the reason why it came back to me. He slowed them down and ran the shot clock and run offense. When that team, with a guy like Scotty Lewis, Nimhard, Trey Mann, needed to be up and down the floor, shooting threes, getting to the rim. If he opens the offensive up this year, Florida, Florida's potential is the limit. Or, you know, the Sky's the limit for their potential. If he keeps them in the half court, Peyton, I think we're going to see a little bit more of what we've seen last year.
3: Florida... Last year, in my opinion, was not that very good. Uh, disappointing, finished, very that.
2: disappointing, Very
3: disappointing, very lackluster a year. I mean, they, only, they finished 19-12 over a record, finished tied for fourth in the SEC. 11-7, you probably think that's not too bad. But I'm talking about my expectations last year. Do You had, like, a top transfer in the nation coming in from Virginia Tech. Yep. This was not debatable at all. Cook would agree with you. He was very high. He called him a tiptoe wonder. Yep. Kerry Blackshear, Jr., who I thought was going to lead this team was along with Trey Maine, four-star freshman, along with five-star freshman Scotty Lewis. I thought those three, the trio, that was going to dominate and really finish top two. I think I actually had them predicted winning the SEC over Kentucky, officially yeah, tied did. maybe. I know it was top two. I think it was Kentucky and Florida. I had top two. Um, very lackluster year. I think this year is going to be better with they don't have like a high expectation like they did last year. Um, still going to be a good year, though. You mentioned Keontae Johnson's coming back. You mentioned Scotty. Obviously, I mentioned Scotty Lewis, who I think will be my player of the year. Tyree Appleby, who's coming in, who he's a junior. He played in the 2019 season at Cleveland State. He averaged 14.3 points per game and roughly about five assists per game. Noah Lark, Locke made 40% of his three-pointers last season, or in two seasons at Florida, 10.6 points per game. This Florida team could be very talented. You mentioned the scoring roles. They need to score the ball better, which is weird because last year, they were second in three-point percentage in the SEC. 100th overall, they shot roughly about 35% from three. Uh, but you mentioned only putting up, like, 72 points per game, ninth in the SEC. They got to score the ball better. Defensively, there's fourth in the SEC, so defensive, I think they'll keep their defensive identity. And I think overall, they could be very talented and probably can push up for like to win the SEC.
2: Yeah. Um, Moving on. Number three, Peyton. These top three is where they become elite. Like the Big 12, I think these top three, in my opinion, could make a Final Four. If the chips fall right, I think they make a Final Four. Number three to me, Peyton, is LSU. For all the reasons that you said, Sharif O'Neal, Cam Thomas, Charles Manning Jr., Josh LeBlanc. Um, If I remember right, LeBlanc... Oh, yeah, he has the best defensive instincts of anyone Wade has recruited at LSU. Darius Days, Trendon Wofford, Javante Smart. This is a team that knows how to win over the last few years. They can get after you on the defensive and offensive backboard. I'm so impressed with LSU, how well they rebound the basketball. You remember a couple years ago, they beat Kentucky on a tip-in, on a missed box-out. They rebound the ball very, very well. Um, They were actually second in the conference. They had a plus 6.3 rebounding margin over Mm -hmm. their conference. 24th in the nation, they put up 80.5 points a game. And again, and I get, I understand Skylar Mays, but they bring in, they lose Skylar Mays, they bring back experienced guys like Darius Days, Javante Smart, they bring in a guy like Cam Thomas who can fill it up. Love this LSU team, Peyton, I think that they're really talented, I still don't know how Will Wade's coaching basketball
3: in college right now. Don't even get me started on that conversation. But
2: I like LSU finishing third, just slightly behind my top two teams.
3: I got talking about all that LSU watchback. I totally forgot to bring up right now. Yeah, obviously he had his heart surgery, so this is his first year playing. He did versatile even, big. Wait, he committed at who did he, UCLA. he committed to UCLA? I know he committed Arizona, and then that whole scandal and stuff like happened. And then and he, he decommitted, U- and he went to UCLA. I forgot about heart the heart surgery. Thing. And then he transferred to LSU. I forgot all about that. Ultimately, yeah. I think he should have went to LSU anyways because that's where his dad plays. This is all my mother. But he's 80-tech number thirty 80-tech number thirty two. Same number as his dad did when he's at LSU. So that's nice. Uh, number three for me, University of Kentucky. Yes, you heard that right. That's not hatred coming out of my mouth. Uh, I really believe Kentucky could win the SEC. I just think they have no front court. Besides Olivier Sar, Isaiah if, Jackson, if he's cleared, if he's, he's still
2: he's
3: not cleared. cleared yet, well, if so, then I might have, I might have a conversation about dropping the back a couple spots if they don't have. Unless they go small ball, which I, they could do, but I don't know if that's the, really the plan. Um, but Isaiah Jackson, who's a center, who's a five, star, four star prospect from Michigan, who's long and athletic. He's a little—he's not like a hothead, but he has like a weird mindset. He's definitely gotten in trouble before, Um, but that—I'm not going to talk about all that. The three-headed monster coming in for freshmen: Devin Askew should have went to Louisville, BJ Boston, and Terrence Clark. Those three together's been working out together, as I've heard. Uh, They—I think they're building a bond with each other. Yep. Those three are gonna put up numbers. They're gonna do very well. I had no question of that. Kentucky has some like the best like backcourt in the nation. Especially the freshmen coming in. Uh, you mentioned Keon Brooks Jr., who was a big time opponent from last year's team. Who had really big games. Uh, didn't he have? Who was the game I'm thinking of? Where he had like a tip in win. Or was it him? Was it? What am I thinking of? Someone Keon. Else? Well,
2: it was the Florida game last year. Florida. Yeah, he had the put in. Was that the put yep, back? Yeah. I
3: know he had a good game that it year. It was Florida.
2: Yep. The last game of the year.
3: Besides like that game, he really was kind of quiet last year. But he really like put on. He had a good game against Florida that year. That game. Cameron Fletcher is another freshman. Kentucky brings some the number one recruiting class coming into this year. Dante Allen, who tore ACL last year. Uh, Big-time scorer in the big state Big-time scorer. Yeah. He can really stroke the ball from three. He's going to have to have a big year this year. He's about to really shoot the ball. Lance Ware, four-star, left-hander, who's very athletic, 6'9", freshman. They lose Emmanuel quickly Lose the SEC Player of the Year. They lose Nick Richards, who's probably like the, if there's like a runner up spot, then he was a runner up, in my opinion. They lose Tyrese Maxey, who, shout out to Titus Maxey, gave me my first bank on it. Thank <laughs> you very much for that. <laughs> they lose Ashton Hagans, who was arguably like probably like, coming in definitely like a top three, top two best defensive guards coming in last year or returning. I'm sorry, but like, I think Kentucky you could, if all thing, if everything clicks together and they get Olivier Sarr and Isaiah Jackson is a good backup for Olivier Soar, I think they could do very well and potentially make like a lead eight or a final four. I'm just not very high on Kentucky like I was last year. Um, So I haven't finished in third. Shocking, maybe, but I don't really care. You bum. No, what? I'm just kidding. My, my number... I t- hold on. I totally forgot transfer Damian Mintz okay. coming in from let playing. Me, let me speak <laughs> cool on that. I was going to
2: say, so shocker... Number, I'll just go ahead and say it. Number two, I have Kentucky winning the conference is Tennessee. I'm getting explained to explain both the reason why. Kentucky, too, for all the reasons you mentioned, Payne, that's a ton of talent down the line. That's so many five stars that Meltzer would shit his pants. Um, Plus, on six uh, dollars. Maybe ten people got that reference, by the way. Yeah. But, like you mentioned, backcourt's going to be loaded, right? Devin Askew, BJ Boston, Terrence Clark's going to be more of a forward. But Dante Allen, Cameron Fletcher, who we've seen in person, lighted up. Mm-hmm. You know, but to me, of all these pieces, the two most important pieces, one's cleared as a transfer, one we're waiting on. If Oliver Sarr, the Wake Forest product, at seven foot, all that experience from Wake Forest, had the big game when they upset, was it Duke last year? When they upset Duke. Yeah. He averaged, what, 13 points and almost 10 boards a game for Wake Forest. If he's cleared, Kentucky is national championship good because they do have depth now. Oliver Assar, Isaiah Jackson, Lance Ware, Keon Brooks Jr., the front courts, you know, Terrence Clark, even a small forward, playing a forward. Front court solid. If he's not cleared, then we have issues. To, the, to a degree, to a degree. It's not like that we have... You know, we're not Georgia position, but it's front court. If we, like, played Gonzaga or Baylor, it could be an issue. But to me, the other big one is Davion Mintz. The grad transfer from Creighton averaged 9.7 points a game in 2018-19 on these Creighton teams that are consistently top 10, top 15 good, battling the Big East against the Villanovas, the Butlers, the Seton Halls. He's not going to start point guard, but he's going to lead that number two unit with experience, he knows how to defend. He sees the floor well. He shoots the ball well. Dagon is just as big a piece, in my opinion, as a guy like Devin Askew is. He's going to lead that second unit. with me, an experienced guy. We can't forget, too, he's not going to be cleared this year, but he will be playing with them. They'll have to see him every day in practice like they are right now. Um, oh, crap. He transferred um, the player of the year this year from Dayton. What was his name? Obi, Top? like, Obi- Jacob yeah. Toppin. Jacob Toppin yeah. is now with the Wildcats, too. He's not going to get cleared because of the the you know have to set out a year, but he's playing. That's going to help out all these guards and forwards. Kentucky, obviously, what's going to hurt them too is this early year. You know, might not have any exhibition games to warm up. They're going to be everybody's Super Bowl. You're going to have to defend early. Cow's teams, like we mentioned, at top of the program always get better by March. They might take a lump or two, you know, a loss or two here. They might get beat by Kansas. Kansas might put it on us, or we might beat Kansas. Uh, it wouldn't surprise me either way but Kentucky's going to have to lock down early on defensively. They're going to have to figure out who's going to be their go-to guy at the end of the at the end of the games when we need a bucket. Can we throw it in the you know like a PJ Washington or will we have a guy like Tyrese Maxey on the perimeter? But backcourt we might have the best backcourt in college basketball or at least right there lots of front court talent, but if Oliver Sar isn't cleared and you have to throw Isaiah Jackson and Lance Ware's freshman in there and Keon Brooks, Cats could take a couple losses early that you don't normally expect. If SARS eligible, Kentucky could easily win the conference and easily be competing for a national championship. Regardless, by March, I expect Kentucky to be where we'd all expect them to be, barring anything crazy, and be right there, but I just put over Kentucky big time. And that's finishing second spot regardless. Tennessee to me, Peyton, I'll let you speak on your number two team because we both have the same winner. Tennessee is that good, and they have experience. Speak on your number two team real quick, and then let's put over Tennessee as the conference champions.
3: Real quick, you obviously talking about Kentucky being my third team, I really want to drop him down a spot. I really want to pit Florida ahead of him. I'm not going to do that because I'm never going to doubt Coach Cal and how he's able to bring up teams like teams like this. You mentioned it time and time again. When it comes to tournament time, you need great backcourt, right? You always, oh, yeah, You yeah. always mention that. To me, a great Kentucky team has a great backcourt with at least one stud, like, for a big frontcourt player. You mentioned like, a couple years ago when they had Tyler Hero, when they had Ashton Hagans, but they had a big time front court player in PJ Washington. The championship team, you had Anthony Davis, a big time front court player. You had Marcus Teague, DeRon Lamb, guys like that. Terrence Jones. Terrence Jones, another front court player. So that's when I think of great Kentucky teams. I just still don't think it's going to be enough to like finish ahead of my second team, who's going to be Auburn, by the way. Maybe it'd be a shocker, um, but I'm high on Auburn. Uh, for basically, like, basically one reason or a couple reasons. I'll mention that in a minute. I still don't think it's gonna be enough for Kentucky, even if they get Olivia Starr because they really only have two front court players, and that's Olivia Starr and a freshman, Isaiah Jackson, who we don't know how well he's gonna adapt to this Kentucky team. I don't know if he's gonna be able to put up like the numbers he should. Um, I had front court problems or I had doubts last year's Kentucky team with front court. But at least lastly, you had experience. You had, who else did you, you had E.J. Montgomery. You Nate Sestina. Nate Sestina, and you had Nick Richards. That's different. This, you have Olivier Sawyer if he's able to play, who's a senior, and you had a freshman, Isaiah Jackson. Not very good, but great backcourt sometimes can carry you, so we'll see. But if the Cats thing, went
2: small, too, though, that's dangerous. Like, they did go small. Now you're talking... If Cal wanted to play small ball and go Villanova style, whew, that's, a, that's a team that
3: could put 90 up. Oh, uh, man, I, I just don't know. I think a team like Kansas would kill him on the rebounding glass. especially guys. Yeah, and that's that's my fear. Cool. If Star is there, though, he takes up a lot of space. Star, experienced. experienced. Uh, I'm keeping Kentucky as third because John can play alone. But my, I've, I've mentioned it. Number two for me is Auburn. Obviously, they lose. Big time pieces in Austin Wiley, they lose Daniel Pirafoy, Javon McCormick, Isaac acor who's going to be like probably like top 10 in the draft coming this year, and they lose the guys like Samir Doughty, but a couple reasons why I have um, Auburn finishing second and why I'm very high on this Auburn team, they have two like the best freshmen coming in, and Sharif Cooper and JT Thorne. JT Thor, we've seen him in person at the yeah. Nike UIBL like two years ago. He is very, very athletic. Skilled. He's very springy. He's very skilled. He can defend. He can score. He, amazing. He's going to draw big-time numbers. They bring in our, uh, Arkansas Player of the Year as a high school senior, Chris Moore. Uh, Justin Powell is a top high school player in Kentucky who shot 55% from three. That's huge. And they have... Probably one of my favorite coaches that's not named Chris Mack and Bruce Pearl. I think this Auburn team can do very, very well. It shocks some people. Definitely would shock a lot of like the members like Cook mentioned. He doesn't. I think he has Auburn like finishing not close to dead last, but towards the bottom of the heap in the SEC. I'm not as low as them. I haven't finished in second. And the number one team you mentioned it. I'm playing it. I don't care. They play it fifty yards away. Ain't
2: no and for
3: the
1: Yeah, I okay, so it.
2: let's just talk about it, Peyton. Rick Barnes has assembled himself. Will it be comparable to two years ago when they had legendary kids like Admiral Schofield and Grant Williams and company? Probably not. But will they have a special team? You damn right. You talk about five-star Jaden Springer coming in, Peyton. The kid can absolutely go. How about five-star guard, too? We don't even talk about. Keon Johnson.
3: Yeah, I mentioned him earlier. Former
2: five-star Josiah Jordan James in the front court. Peyton. The guy that pisses me off the most in the conference, John Fulkerson, is coming back for his senior year. You know, big at 6'9", plays above that even. He feels like he's foot. You know, goofy hair, wears the headband, block shots, rebounds, left-handed hook. Um, But he's a tremendous player. He's going to be their starting center more than likely. How about they get an Oregon transfer, Victor Bailey Jr., eligible to play? Uh, he started eight games and averaged 7.4 points a game for Oregon two seasons ago. They bring in four-star Corey Walker Jr. How about former four-star Brock Yanich? How about Urso, Urso Plasovic? The Uruguayan center, seven-footer. Shot 42% in 16 games last season. Provides depth inside. We talked about Eves Ponds, defensive player of the year, Peyton. How about also um, Drew Pember, former four-star from right there in Tennessee? And then... Santiago Vescovi, the Ur- he's the Uruguayan. The Uruguayan left-handed warner as a freshman last year. <clears throat> Outstanding playmaker, ranked top five in SEC in assists. Averaged 10.7 points, 3.3 rebounds, and whatever it was assist-wise, five or six assists. It doesn't quite say here in my notes. But he's a guy, he reminds me of just like a slower version of Manu Ginobili. Not mm-hmm. like Manu was fast, but... He's got that European um, international style ball, left-handed too. Can really shoot the ball. Can see the floor well. Peyton, you talking about experience? You talking about extreme talent? They've got good size. Look at all the six, seven, six, ten guys. You know, they're going to defend you. We talk all the time about Virginia's defense, Florida State's. Rick Barnes teams play defense now. They'll get after you. Last year they struggled. Well, actually, last year they won the conference. Yeah, sixty-four point two points a game. Do they lose Jordan Bowden and Lamont Turner? But with all this talent coming back and coming in, you know, Lindy's has them number seven in the preseason. Elite eight prediction. Peyton, this is a team that I hate to say it could win a title because of everything we've mentioned. This is a. This is a really good Tennessee team. Rick Barnes just—he had a kind of a down year this last year, but it was all building towards this year. This team is going to be legit
1: good.
3: You mentioned the team a couple years ago—the Tennessee team that had Gwynn Williams, Adam Schofield, and guys like that—who ultimately did they? Did they finish? They tied with LSU, didn't they?
1: Yeah, yeah, there's was
3: a tie. tied LSU and what, Kentucky finished third, I believe. Yeah, just like a game uh, back. But that Tennessee team was special. I think, honestly, I like this Tennessee team better than that one. Only is because they both can defend it at a high level. But I feel like that Tennessee team had a very trouble scoring the three, or really shooting the ball well yep. for three.
2: I'm glad you said
3: that. Last year's team for Tennessee, three-point percentage, was ninth in the SEC. I feel like that's going to drastically change with guys like Jordan, Jos- Josiah, Jordan James, who can be able to stroke the ball. Victor Bailey Jr., um, Keon Johnson, EJ Anosilski, or Anosike, uh, who led—he led uh, he led seven hard in rebounding last season with eleven point thirteen or eleven point three per game, which is incredible. Oh, I didn't also,
2: see that transfer. Yeah, six
3: seven, two hundred forty-four five pounds, big time player, and obviously the defensive player of the year, who's probably wouldn't go back to back. Eves Pons. Uh, defensively they're gonna be great. Offensively I think they'll be even better. Yeah. You can make an argument for Kentucky or Florida or Ormond or any other team to win the SEC, but I think this is Tennessee's title to lose. I think like Tennessee is gonna be incredible. I think they can make their final four and potentially win the national championship. I think they're that damn good. And I know how big of a fan Cook is on Rick Barnes and I'm a big fan of Rick Barnes. As he well.
2: might be the best play calling coach in college basketball or at least not maybe not college basketball but in the conference. Yes. Uh, drawing up out of bounds underneath plays to get to get buckets. Um, more on EJ um Anosiki.
3: Yeah, it
2: says here he arrived in Knoxville. He arrives in Knoxville three years experience at the Division I level and a knack for rebounding. Thirty second in offensive percentage last season. His toughness will be a welcome and you think about Rick Bard's teams that, especially at Tennessee they they beat you up. Mm-hmm. They're physical in every aspect of the game. They screen hard. They defend hard. They rebound hard. They they beat you up for 40 minutes. Yeah. And you talked about scoring-wise. This is a deep team. Peyton, this is a team, if he wants to, with all this talent, he can go 10, 11 deep, just keep rotating bodies in. It's like an SEC football team who just runs the ball and just beats you up in the trenches, and by the fourth quarter, you're you're worn out. Yeah. This Tennessee team's good. I put them right there with Baylor. I put them right there with Texas
3: Tech, Kansas, Gonzaga. I, you know, I think they're that good. When it comes down to doing on preseason top pre-season top twenty five, um, which hopefully will be coming up soon next I, few weeks. Next few weeks, they're definitely the top ten. I go ahead and put that out there. They're definitely top ten for at least me and probably you as well. Oh yeah, and probably other people. Top five, probably. Top,
2: you're making probably argue, top five.
3: I think I'll probably pimp top five as well. You yeah. mentioned Lindy's having National Link seven for lead eight tournament protection. They're gonna be very, very good. Uh the SEC alone between Tennessee, Auburn, Kentucky, Florida, LSU, and like a sneaky teams like Arkansas and Alabama. It's gonna be very fun to watch. I'm definitely gonna pay attention a lot more to the SEC conference instead of like teams like teams like conferences like Big Ten, A C C Big Twelve. SEC's on the rise. Um I definitely don't think they're where they probably, I don't think, I think a couple of years they'll be even better than what they are now. Yeah, they're they're not, improving.
2: they're not early to mid 90s SEC where it was arguably the best conference, maybe behind like the Big East.
3: Yeah. But they're getting there. And this Tennessee team, you
2: talk about the Big Ten physicality. This is the team that you could slide in for a 20-game conference schedule in the Big Ten and they'd be just fine.
3: Yeah, they'd be fine. They do defense, rebounding. Tough home court. Tough home court. Yeah, you mentioned what Kentucky broke the the streak. Didn't have like a streak where they win at Tennessee. It's been a while. Thompson Bowling. I think last year, I think all of our teams broke the streak. Kansas broke the West Virginia streak, Louisville, Virginia, and then obviously Kentucky, um, Tennessee. Tennessee. But, yeah, SEC is going to be fun to watch next year. So, wrapping things up.
2: Conference is going to be loaded at the top, really solid in the middle. I think it's going to be... Maybe the number two conference of college basketball this year. Uh, right behind the Big Ten, I would think. Some really good teams that are capable of making Final Four runs. But as we start to wind things down, I know we've been here for a little while, Peyton. Milan just secured a 3-0 win. We're looking ahead. We've finished the SEC. We've got the Pac-12 to go for the to finish out the Power Conferences. If you guys want us to, we can do a best of the rest where we cover you know preview Gonzaga we preview BYU San Diego State Dayton etc cetera, etc cetera. if not we've got our preseason top 25 coming up yeah we're a little over a month away from the start of the college basketball season um, we start to look forward Peyton, we'll put it out there in the atmosphere now we put it on Facebook yesterday we put it on Twitter We are looking, if you guys have any leads or if you're female yourself, we are looking to expand. If you guys listen to us during the season, we do talk women's college basketball, but we only kind of focus on the big games that we actually watch because we enjoy watching them. But we're looking for a female perspective to join us every week for a 10, 20-minute chat on the women's college basketball game and their perspective. So if you know a female that has high basketball IQ, that watches the women's game and knows what they're talking about, send them our way. We will be glad to involve them in the team. And we're looking to open up and talk more on that aspect as the season comes.
3: Yeah, I agree. This is something I've been wanting to do since year one. If you go back to year one of our podcast, there's been games like I talk about the Louisville Notre Dame game when we had um, Asia Durr and, and when Notre Dame had like OG. Uh, what was it? O.G. Oldenable Wale. I don't even yep. know how to say her name. I used to know how. I don't remember now. But we've talked about big-time games like that, but we want to go more in-depth like that, and this is something I want to be doing. Like, I love college basketball in general, and not just men's and not just women's. I just love the whole landscape of college basketball. I think it's fun to watch. And women's, you probably, it's probably, I love the men's sides, my thing, but women's is definitely very entertaining to watch. Um, it's totally different than what you see on the men's side of the game. More technical. Definitely more technical. Because they don't worry about like, alley-oops as much. Yeah, so they, they don't just... really dunk the ball too, uh, too much. they even play four quarters now. They play four quarters. Yeah, that's definitely difficult. That's uh, definitely difficult Them. what you see on the men's side. So, if yeah, if you're a female who knows a lot about women's college basketball, not just the big teams, because, like, we can do that anytime. But if you know like teams like BYU or any other team like that, then hit us up. I post them on Twitter. We both post them on Facebook. I'll probably post them on Instagram later on. Just hit it up. Hit on the DMs. We'll be done. Yeah. I'm looking to expand as well.
2: For sure. So, Peyton, our next to wrap up the Power 5 conference is Power 6. Well, we can still do the Big East as well.
3: Yeah, Big East, Pac 12. So we got Pac-12 the, Big the, the Big East and the
2: Big East, Pac 12, because I think the Big East is good enough to deserve that. So we've got two more, and then before we get in their top 25, and less, you know. We're going to do the best of the rest like everybody wants us to if they want. But next week we'll be heading to the Pac-12. This is a conference two years ago that was embarrassingly bad. This was a conference last year that made some strides. You remember a team like UCLA snuck up and wanted to share of the conference. Um, Did they? Or did they finish yeah. the game behind?
3: Uh, Oregon won the conference. Or, okay, so UCLA finished the game
2: behind. And this is a conference I don't know what to think about until I get to research them. I think UCLA could be all right. I think Oregon could be all right. I think Arizona State could be all right. But will a team like Arizona... What about USC that has the number one freshman, Evan Mobley? Mm-hmm. Is it Evan or Isaiah Evan? Evan? They're I, both Evan. there. Both Mobleys, okay. So it's Evan though. It's the good one, right? Yeah,
3: Evan's the number one player in the nation. At least top three. Will a team like Washington, who
2: disappointed badly last year, bounce back? There, there's a lot of questions in the pac 12 a, t- a conference really its kind of fallen on hard times in the last three, four, or five seasons. But we will do our deep dive next week. Peyton, looking ahead briefly, what do you expect out of the Pac-12 next year or this upcoming year?
3: I don't know what to expect of the Conference of Champions. <laughs> honestly, the I honestly don't know what to expect. I know Oregon hasn't followed Dante coming back. It's a big-time piece. We're going more in depth on that. Um, Arizona will not fucking be good. Evan Mobley is the number one top three recruit coming in this year i have to really do a deep dive into the pac-12 and a bunch of teams that's in the pac-12 conference um i think ucla can make a run for the pac-12 title um especially with the guys that they have i'm pretty sure i know they have Deshaun nicks, Deshaun right? nicks. i think they have josh christopher as well yeah Maybe. they did get Arizona. him um i'll double check on that Speaking of recruiting, uh, to end this off, I'm bringing back my recruiting podcast, Hot on the Trail of Mr. Recruiter, very, very soon. I might do an episode here coming maybe this week. We'll see. We'll see how I feel. Uh, I know there's big time recruits that just happened like a couple days ago and today as well. So I will be bringing back the Hot on the Trail of Mr. Recruiter. I did one episode, um, got a lot of great reviews on it. I haven't had time to do it since. Basically, the reason why, because. There wasn't no like Nike EYBL we can go to. There wasn't no Yes! yes. That's yes. all of our reaction to hear yes. that the show's coming back. We yes. love the recruiting stuff. Yes! 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 Yes!
1: Yes! Yes! yes. yes.
2: We love that show. Yes. You did you gave us one episode and that was it, and then when you do it on the shows? The last two seasons, they've been great. We've missed it.
3: Well, you I, Summer. Yeah, the reason I haven't been doing it as much because it really hasn't been too much to be really talked about since recruiting basically got shut down for like a month or two, And we didn't have really Eybl to go to. There was no Adidas Hoop Summit. There wasn't no Geico Nationals that I can talk about. There wasn't anything like that. So I couldn't really, I'm not going to put in an episode uh, just rambling on about recruits that really like nobody really knows too much. Especially like two stars, one stars, like people like that. Because there really wasn't much to talk about. But here very, very soon, I will be back bringing that podcast or bringing that uh, podcast back on the ECB network. So, very exciting stuff. And definitely once the season starts, I'll be definitely hot on the recruiting. End, just like I was in year one. Love it, love it. So, wrapping up episode 65. We hope you
2: enjoyed this episode previewing and predicting the SEC conference. Again, a lot of good teams, a couple of them that really can make deep runs, even win a national championship, bring it back to the conference. Closing things out, Peyton, I hope everybody stays safe, happy, keep yourself. It seems like this virus is trying to make a, a little resurgence, and um, obviously some high profile people have now contracted it. Just, you know, do what you can, stay safe, stay protected, um, we're hit, it's scary times out there across the world, so... Just, um, again, congratulations to Bryce Burton on your track championship. We're proud of you, representing not only yourself but the ECB clan. Other than that, make sure you're liking, sharing, subscribing, leaving a review that helps out tremendously. All the reviews we get that are positive, it helps with the algorithm to push us up. Anytime somebody types in college basketball, we trend towards the top. We'll start to pick the Twitter up more, hopefully merchandise. All that good stuff. We're getting closer to college basketball season Peyton, I know you got something you're perking up now. Yeah,
3: you mentioned something about like, share, and subscribe. And also the YouTube channel. We still have that YouTube channel. Let us know what you want us to do with that. Because honestly, we'll probably start doing when the pickums return again. Yep. We'll probably start doing like the. the What was the. I don't know what we did with the. What was the thing, thing? Uh, in the zone press. In the zone press. Yeah, I we'll actually start just watched one last night. We'll start bringing that back uh, once we get the pickums back and stuff like that. That'd be very entertaining, But Let us know what else you want to see on there. Yeah. That's what, yeah, I got to say. Yeah. Other than that,
2: we'll catch you next week when we re- preview the Pac-12 Conference. Hit them with the line, Peyton. Conference of Champions. You guys stay safe, stay happy, stay free. We'll see you next week. Wrap up episode 65. I was waiting on you to say something. Oh, I'm Josh know Burton. I'm Mr.
3: Cooler, a.k.a. Peyton Burton.
2: I will see you on the West Coast.
3: <gasps> Boom! <laughs>